0: Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo,
1: Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. And Keith, um, now when I say good day, I, I truly mean it because things have been pretty good for the football team here for the last few weeks. Another win, a, we'll take it.
0: There was a little bit of consternation in the second half. There's no question, but Florida State uh, rallied just enough to eke out that three point win and uh, continue a, a little bit of a mini winning streak. Uh, but I like the ball game. I, I, I like the ball game, though. There's plenty of things to work on. Uh, obviously, the coaching staff will be the first to admit there's plenty of things to, to correct. But uh, a win's a win, and in today's environment, the way things are, I'll take a win every time. I was asked on Friday, we did
1: an FSU event, and so people were chatting me up about football. What do you think about the game? And I felt good about the game. I said, I I feel pretty good about the game. I think Florida State's going to win. And So, of course, they asked for a score. I said, well, the score is going to be you're going to be sweating it in the fourth quarter, which – as the game unfolded, I didn't think that was going to come to fruition. But the, the reality is this, Keith, this team, is as we continue to talk about, it, it's getting everything out of the sum of its parts. It doesn't have incredible depth. The other teams are on scholarship, too, as Jimbo used to say. They made adjustments. And so you end up in a ball game. But I, I think we got to look at this. The positive is certainly that they won, but also that this is a team that going into the year, we, we didn't think they could handle adversity because they couldn't. And now they're handling adversity and finding ways to still win the football game.
0: When you get down to being nitpicky, which we're prone to do on this show, uh, the biggest thing that jumps out to me is the next level of improvement needs to be adjustments at halftime and reactions and, and changes to the other team's adjustments. Because the one glaring thing that jumped out of this ball game is that the defense played lights out in the first half and then Boston College made adjustments and scored on their next three possessions of the second half. Now they were aided by some things and Florida State kind of uh, shot themselves in the foot a couple of times, but that becomes the next thing that this team, the staff, this program needs to start working on uh, as it relates to continuing to getting better.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I do think, particularly when you talk about the Florida State defense, and and we've seen this over the last few years, the the offense can be really good at times, but then there's a lot of times where it doesn't eat up much clock and the defense is back out there. But the defense does not have a ton of depth. And I really feel like as these games go on, it starts to show up late in the game because as good as 11 and 4 are in that defensive front, I mean, there's not a second team that's coming in. There's second teamers that are stealing some snaps, but the first teamers are playing the lion's share. And so I I do think they start to wear down a little bit. I mean, and really in the secondary, Keith, and this is part of the reason the secondary has settled down, they're not changing parts and pieces out there either. So, I mean, you're really playing, I don't know, 15 or 16 guys on defense, period, over the course of the game. And that's about it, it feels like.
0: There was a time back in the day when it was not uncommon for a player to take 70 or 75 snaps on the defensive side of the ball. But in today's environment, you know, you get around 50, 55 snaps from any one player, and that's about the norm. And you're exactly right. If you go back and look at the snap count, there's six or seven or eight guys on the defensive side of the ball that are playing 60-plus snaps and and that's just hard to do. That doesn't mean they're soft. That doesn't mean they're not in shape. It's just the way the game has changed. And uh, that depth issue, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, is of concern. And there's only one way to, to address that. There's only one way to fix it. That's the recruit and the transfer portal. And you're not going to do that mid, mid-year mid or, or at the end of the season. So it is what it is. So to your point about reacting
1: to the other team's adjustments, what did you see that BC did differently? Certainly their quarterback was getting killed, so they did a better job with the pass pro in the second half. And they got their – the best receiver on the field today for either team was uh, Zay Flowers. I think that's his name. But the, the the kid who scored the touchdown on the long pass, he ended, he wound up with three catches. He, would, he did not have a catch in the first half. But what did you see schematically that BC did or what would you pose Florida State should have done to counter
0: well, what, what they did is they would put a tight end in tight and or they would chip with a back in order to try to slow four and 11. And it worked pretty well. Uh, but the bigger thing that they did is they started targeting. They started targeting Flowers. You know, he only had one target by my count in the first half. And he ended up with five targets and three catches in the second half for 92 yards, including that big 44-yard uh, uh, reception. And, and so they went back to their strength. And uh, as you mentioned, FSU uh, continued to do what they do, which was good. But uh, after a period of time, BC was able to find a few holes. And 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 my biggest complaint, Tommy, goes back to the special teams. I mean, Florida State gets the ball in the second half, goes down and scores, and then they bloop kick the next kickoff. And and I I'm sorry, I don't care what the metrics say. That to me is not a good decision. Well, and that's when B.C. got a
1: short field. They took over at the Florida State 40, and they they got some penalties to aid their cause, but they, but they scored on that job. I would agree uh, on that front. And, and as the game went on, Florida State uh, earlier in the game, in terms of their own returns, they were bringing them out, and then they just started fair catching them to take the ball at the 25. So they, they did make that change. Uh, I, I'll make this point about special teams real quick, Keith,
0: because
1: I, I do believe in the way they coach special teams, and I believe in the coaches. But it has, it has not been what, what anybody wants to see this year. And, and they've got to clean it up. And fortunately, they've been getting by with it. But there's a, there's a kid. I don't know if they showed this on the game because he's, he's a number on special teams. He's, he's not a specialist or a returner. So nobody's really paying attention to him. But it's Joe Lang. He's number 41. I don't know if you saw, but he got hurt early in the game. And he wound up out for the game. His arm was in a sling on the sideline. So he was done for the day. He's probably done for the season. But earlier in the year, I had talked to John Papuchis about who on the special teams is somebody that's sort of an unsung hero. And that was the name he mentioned. He's a kid who transferred in from Holy Cross, a Florida kid. But so and so he he picked out Joe Lang and said, you know, he's on all of our special teams. So he he, he presented him to me. Now, I didn't definitively ask, is he the MVP? I don't know that he would say that, but he's a glue guy. And so you lost your glue guy that's on every special teams unit. And yet you still were trying the the blue kicks and trying to bring some returns out. Uh, To to me, that was, that was a curious decision. I I agree because that is when momentum swung. Obviously you pooch kick it because you think you're going to stop them there at the 20. It didn't work out that way. And it flipped the field. And that is when BC got life.
0: And my point is simply as we've talked about, and this is not, this is a criticism. This is not to say that the, thought process is totally wrong. It's it's within context. This team is not good enough to play by the metrics on, on the special teams. You need to play by the book on the special teams. Kick the ball out of the end zone, fair catch the kickoffs, and, and play the game. And then as you get better, you can start taking advantage of the what the coaches would tell you is hidden yardage. This team's not good enough to do that yet, unfortunately.
1: Of course, if you turn it the other way, Keith, they've been good enough to win despite losing the hidden yardage here of late. They've won five of the seven games. And so they're, they're getting past like, Look, if we're going to talk special teams, we need to tip our cap to the Aussie punter and the job that he did. And that is pun- a fact.
0: That, that is an absolute fact. You are correct there. Because he put
1: four inside the 11. I think BC started drives at like the 2, 4, 10, and 11 on four of their drives. So that, that was an impressive display. Do you know he's only had one touchback in his entire FSU career, which is two seasons now, and it was his very first game against Georgia Tech last year? It's the only time he's put a ball in the end zone.
0: Did not know that. The only other stat, and it's not related to special teams, but it was pointed out during the telecast that I had not paid attention to, is that this is the fifth game out of 11 that Florida State has been involved in a contest in which the point spread was three points or less. And the knolls are three and two in those ball games. Back to the lose big, lose close, win close, win big, Florida State's right in the middle of that apex or trough, whichever way you're going.
1: Well, to your point, when you're in games that come down to one possession, all these little details matter. The hidden yards matter, the penalties matter. We'll get to that in a little bit. But but game management Clock management matters, and I think we got to tip our cap to Norvell for two weeks in a row in the way he finished off this football game. Keith, I'm trying to do the math in my head when they took it over after the interception, and I'm thinking, well, they're going to come up a few seconds short, but then you watch, and they're calling plays that maybe they're going to take seven seconds off the clock instead of five, and sure enough, game – and they they got a chance to do it twice. They ended the, the game the same way they ended the first half. Jordan just roll out and chuck it out of bounds.
0: You and I have both said, and, and hats off to, to Mike and his staff, in-game clock management has certainly not been an issue for this ball club. And, in fact, it's been a very, very strong, strong part of uh, Florida State's 2021 season. No question.
1: Yeah, so they did a great job. And how about Akeem Dent making a big pick? Here's a, here's a stat for you, Keith. This is a seventh consecutive game that FSU's recorded an interception. That's the longest streak since two thousand and seven for FSU. Wow,
0: you pulled that one out of uh, thin air, Tommy. Didn't have, had no clue. Had no I pulled clue.
1: that. I pulled that out of sports information's post game notes. So I'll give credit where credit is due. I did not look through the box scores myself. Uh, thanks to Derek and Steve and Krista and company and Elliot. Um, you know? It's funny when we do this, Keith. So, I don't know how far into the show we are. We haven't even talked about the fact that they completely dominated the first 30 minutes of this football game or were winning 19-3 to at the half. I mean, oh, by the way, we got to talk about the other stuff. But, I mean, they just took it to Boston College in the first half of that football game.
0: One of the things that was obvious to me, and even during the the televised broadcast it was made known, this offense, on the offensive side, this was a much different attack than last week or even the week before. And the ability for, for, for Coach Dillingham and his staff to put together what is needed against what they're facing, I think just completely validates the flexibility of Coach Norvell's and Coach Dillingham's offense. They will take, they will scout, they will plan, they will prep, and they will put together a game plan to take advantage of what you do and don't do defensively. And as you mentioned we made the comment last week and, and maybe in weeks prior to that, oh, that's the best 30 minutes of Florida State football ever. Well, they keep adding to that because that was a very dominant 30 minutes in the first half.
1: Well, and we thought Florida State might be able to run the football against BC, but BC loaded up to stop the run, and so Florida State went the other way, and that was the most passing yards Boston College has allowed this year. Travis, by the way, And I saw a lot of folks comment on this. It was my immediate thought when I watched the play, the touchdown pass to Ontario Wilson. He's rushed. And instead of taking steps and scrambling, he slid in the pocket twice to wait for Ontario to come open and throw the football. And that is what you call the evolution of a quarterback, Keith.
0: And and an unbelievable downfield block by the tight end to, to get Pookie into the end zone. I mean, a, a all-round well-executed play.
1: Yeah, so Jordan played well, three touchdown passes, ties, his career high. How about the catch by Malik, by the way? been a while since we've seen a FSU receiver go uh, make a play like that.
0: Agreed. Agreed.
1: I mean, Parchman had a huge catch last week, but he didn't climb the ladder and high point the football and have to do all that with a defender right there. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of, of other things in here, Keith, before we get to the uh, elephant in the room, uh, which would be the, the zebras. Uh, I guess I should say in the room instead of the elephant. What else do you want to What else do you want to touch on here?
0: Well, I, I think that again we saw effort, we saw um, cohesiveness. I mean, you didn't see receivers breaking free on big plays, the, the long plays that Boston College executed were because they executed, not because Florida State broke down. And, and, and defensively, I think this was as good a performance. I mean, all the folks that are legitimately have voiced concerns about Adam Fuller's defense, this is a squad that now that he has the people that he wants in there and, and is willing to play the youngsters who now have experience, as I was told when I was a sophomore, you're not a sophomore anymore, you're a junior when you get halfway through the year. These freshmen are not freshmen anymore; they're sophomores, and and they're starting to play with confidence that's associated with that experience. You know, all the naysayers out there talking about this defense doesn't perform well; they don't do this, they don't do that. I mean, we've continued to see this defense improve, and and I thought I thought this was a very sound defensive performance, and I would prefer to give BC credit for for some adjustments, getting the big big return, gave them. A positive uh, field position on their first touchdown drive. And then, uh, you know, Jerkovic, is, you know, it's not the first time he's ever played quarterback, you know, at the D1 level. He's a very good quarterback. He ran the ball well. He threw the ball well. This is a potent uh, BC team that uh, this, this is a big win. This is an important win. It backs up all of the excitement and enthusiasm and, and positiveness that Florida State as a program had with the victory over Miami. As you and I talked on our Wednesday show, the worst thing that could happen is for FSU to drop this game, and they didn't. They did what they needed to do, and they won.
1: I'm glad you took a moment to get because we needed to talk longer about the defense there. And so, a couple other points. One, the defensive line was so good in the first half, and we talk a lot about the ends. But, but the interior pressure that got in the face of the B.C. quarterback, who's an NFL quarterback, by the way, transferred from Notre Dame. He's a good quarterback. This is the first game Boston College has lost this year that he started. But the way they got pressure up the middle, it makes every quarterback uncomfortable because they can't step up in the pocket. And it was clearly evident that they, they rattled him and, and, or, or they rendered him just basically ineffective in the first half because they were so good up the middle. I'm sure that showed up on TV, too.
0: They did. Uh, you know, you get pressure from the outside, and, and according to the book, that means that you want the quarterback to step up. But there was not room for him to step up in this ballgame. And one of the things that's so frustrating um, – not frustrating, that's not the right word. One of the things that's unique about being a defensive tackle is you are not going to have eight and ten tackle ball games. You are not going to have games in which you get two or three sacks. You are not going to have the numbers that make people that don't understand how defensive work to say you had a great game. I mean, I thought other than the one offsides penalty, uh, Cooper played a great game. Well, he finishes with two tackles. That's not where his worth is, Tommy. His worth is all the things that you're talking about that are destructive and not allowing the quarterback to move up in the pocket and make things happen, those don't show up statistically, but trust me, the players know and the coaches know what those interior guys are doing, and they had a great ball game.
1: The other point that we need to make is that Jamie Robinson got ejected from the game for targeting early on, and so two components here. First, how would Florida State respond to that? Because if you look at the way this year has unraveled, when Florida State's defense started getting better, it's when Jamie Robinson moved from nickel to the safety spot and Kevin Knowles started playing the nickel. That's when things got better for FSU's defense. So when he gets ejected, what was it, plus or minus the start of the second quarter, right, in that time yes. frame? Yes, yes. you got to go three quarters without him, and I'm thinking, how's this going to turn out? Well, McClellan went in and played great. He, he, he had a career high for tackles. Uh, and Florida State was over able to overcome that. That was big, to do that without Jamie Robinson. I mean, he leads them in tackles about every week. Now, the second McClellan, thing.
0: As you mentioned, McClellan, as you mentioned, finishes with game high, eight tackles for Florida State, six solo and two assists. And, and as importantly, they were still, defensively, they were still able to make adjustments after the original call. That's the biggest thing that Robinson brings to the table, the ability to make what would be the equivalent of audibles on the offensive side. You don't you don't do that a lot. There's a lot made about defenses changing what they're doing. That really doesn't happen as much as people think. But when it does happen, you've got to make sure that everybody understands what you've changed. And Florida State was able to continue to make the adjustments when they needed to defensively, even with Robinson not in there.
1: And the best news about that is that that happened in the first half, so he will be available for the full game against Florida. So this, this leads to a segue about the, the officiating. And this first point related to targeting is not about the, the crew. It's about the rule, which you and I have talked about forever, Keith. By rule, that was targeting, whether you like it or not. By rule, it's the correct call. I mean, I'll let you weigh in. My problems with the rule and the continued way that they, they handle it and at some point, I wish they would they would go back to the drawing board and, and, and come up with a different way to administer this. That's my two cents.
0: To, to echo what you said, by definition, it was the correct call. The issue involves things like, while you're trying to protect the quarterback, there's, there's two components to this that I don't know the answer to. I'm the proverbial fill in the blank. I can tell you what the problem is but I don't necessarily have a slam dunk for the answer. The first problem is a quarterback who delays taking the slide, which is what happened on this play. It it was evident after the fact that he was trying to slide. Once the quarterback leaves the pocket, he becomes a runner. There is no targeting unless you hit with the top of your head. But when the quarterback goes into the slide, that's when he becomes a defenseless player again and targeting comes into play. Well, he was very late getting into his slide, and I'm sorry. Many quarterbacks do that intentionally. They take advantage of the rule. The second issue is the scampering down the sidelines when they do or they don't step out of bounds, and we saw that one time with Jerkovic. Now, to his credit, he is taking advantage of the rule. The problem is the rule has to be changed. However, I, as I mentioned previously, repeating myself over and over again, I don't have the answer to it. I'm just simply saying, I understand that Robinson committed a foul and he was ejected because of the rule, but the rule has got to be revisited.
1: I agree. And just to clarify further, Keith, because people get confused on this, there's different ways that targeting can be triggered. And because it's a defenseless player, it does not have to be helmet-to-helmet contact. Correct. It can, be, it can be forcible contact to the head with another part of your body, even if it's the shoulder or your forearm or whatever. And you watching on TV saw better replays of it than I did on BC's video board there. But it, it does not have to. And in the same way, we've talked about this before, technically, you could lead with the crown of your helmet and hit somebody in the knee and they could call targeting on that. If they Correct. wanted to, because you're leading with the crown of the helmet, so there are Correct. different ways that targeting can be can be uh, enforced or called.
0: The other part, uh, so there, there's there's the rule. And, Go ahead. Excuse me, but the other part is, and forgive me, I think Florida State was the beneficiary of this. Is any time after the quarterback throws the ball, if you strike him above the shoulders, even with a hand, if your hand just hits his helmet, that's roughing the passer or unsportsmanlike like conduct and if memory serves florida state was the recipient of one of those calls sometime in the second half so again the intent of the rule is not what we're talking about it's how the rule is construed and how it's being interpreted not interpreted how it's being adjudicated for lack of a better word needs to be revisited some way somehow period i'm gonna
1: get yes yeah, so and and that's and you're dead right about that that's point one Point two that I've been shouting from a mountaintop for five years that they need to stop kicking guys out in the middle of the game. Let the league office review it on Sunday. They can review all the calls. They can enforce it consistently across the board. They can try to rule on whether it was intentional out because targeting exists to stop guys from intentionally taking those shots and and playing dangerous football. Nine, I feel like ninety percent of these targeting discussions we have, it's not a cheap shot. It, it's it's. The guy lowered his, his, you know, he bent at the waist, and so their two helmets touched, or he slid late, and now you have this. So anyway, that's the point there. I've beaten this drum before, Keith, so I'll let that one go. To your point about the the illegal contact on the quarterback, yes, FSU was the beneficiary, except that it was offsetting penalties because that was the first of the illegal formations on FSU. And so here you have a personal foul penalty when they're trying, you know, everything else they do is to protect the quarterback, But if you, in other words, if you know the offense already committed a penalty and you saw that flag, you might as well just take a shot at the quarterback because the personal foul is going to offset and you're going to line up and do it again. So that might also be one that needs to be discussed.
0: Well, and the other part of that is both of those penalties were on Florida State's offensive tackle. They were not on a skilled player. And, you know, I didn't play offensive line. I understand that the tackle set deep. But both of those penalties, as I interpreted them, were on Florida State's offensive tackle not being on the line. It had nothing to do with actually an illegal formation. Not sure if you're aware of that or not.
1: No, oh, no, I am. I am. And Florida State's aware of it. And they weren't pleased with it. I mean, you see, I watched probably five football games on the flight home. And you can see the left and the right tackle. And it's common that they do that. Now, I don't have the rule in front of me to know how far you're supposed to go. I would just say that for me, and this is, I, I felt this way just kind of about ACC officiating in general for a lot of years. To me, it goes in the over-officiating bucket. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things, Keith. You can call holding on every play if you want to. We talk about this all the time. You can, you can call the receiver for an illegal block on the left side of the field even though the play went on the right side of the field and that block on the left had nothing to do with anything. You can call that stuff all day if you want. I just don't think it's it's great for the sport overall if you get into what, I, what I'd call ticky-tack type
0: stuff. Agreed, and you and I are in such agreement, we don't need to talk about it further.
1: Yeah, I'll also know just uh, in, in true disclosure here, complete disclosure for our listeners' sake, and I don't even know if you saw this, Keith, the Big 12 this week, suspended I believe it was the Texas Tech radio crew for being critical of the officials. So I'm not going to comment further at this point on any of the calls that were or were not made or should or should not have been made in the game. However, Keith, the mic is open for you. No, well, I'm, just, I'm
0: thinking. I'm thinking we're worried too much about
1: us having an impact and anybody caring about what we say. But I hear what you're saying. I agree with yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, no, my, no, my, my, bigger points are about the, uh, the overall way the rules are written and enforced. And you know, I've long been a proponent of can we get national officials so that the rules are enforced consistently. But the, you know, the leagues are their own fiefdoms. they all have their own set of points of emphasis and every game's a little different when you watch sec football i watched ucla and usc on the flight back every you know i was watching oregon's game against utah and you just see things that aren't called there that are called in fsu games and vice versa and that just frustrates me so mine is more about can we nationalize the officials to get more consistency there i do think in defense of the officials because the technology is so good and we have 86 different camera angles and we can slow it down and review it and all these things that, that doesn't help. But I I just hate the stop and start nature of the games. There needs to be a time limit on reviews. I mean, if you're four minutes into a review and you can't determine it, I think we've gone two minutes too far to continue to look at tape. It's that kind of stuff that I feel like would, would, would help the game if they would clean some of that up.
0: Agreed. However, in in the pendulum swinging back the other way, for whatever reason, good, bad, or different, Florida State had 13 flags. That's 13 flags, too many. And uh, that continues to be a focus and needs to be a focus. FSU had done very well the last couple of three games in that regard. And uh, they did not do well as it relates to that, but they were still able to hang on and win a ball game.
1: Exactly right. So, uh, that, that's the conversation there. Now, I'm going to give Tim Lindefelt credit on this one, Keith. He tweeted this out. He's calling this Saturday's game, FSU versus Florida, the Eligible because we're trying to see who's going to get eligible to go to a bowl game. So, props to Tim Lindefelt, the Eligible.
0: <laughs> I like it. I like it. Timmy, Timmy has a way of coming up with things, doesn't he?
1: Oh, uh, so let's. Yeah, I, I miss having him on the show. Shout out to you there, Mr. Lindefelt good line uh it, it is crazy to think keith and we have I, we haven't glossed over it because we do this show every week but this is a team that was zero and four that now has a chance to get bowl eligible they've won five of their last seven that in itself nobody would have thought they could have done if they somehow make it six of eight to to get bowl eligible keith i i mean that's there's only so i think the stat is they might have showed this during the tv broadcast there's only been two teams in history, I think, that started 0-4 and, and got bowl eligible, and the last one was like in 1986 or something like that. So th- th- it's not like this happens five times a year. This this is impressive what this staff and this team has done,
0: without question. And you're going into a rivalry game against your number one rival, which means your 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 one loss record doesn't count. Uh, your your stats don't count. Your who's winning how many of the last three doesn't count It doesn't no matter what the record is over a 10-year period of time this is a rivalry game and so what Florida State has done is positioned them and, and played well enough to put them in the position to have a game against your rival with an opportunity to go to a bowl no we're not talking about FSU qualifying for the playoff we're not talking about a New Year's 6 appearance we're not talking about the chance for a national championship. We're talking about a program who has been so far down, continuing to fight and work their way up to, to get to the position a year from now, two years from now, whatever it takes to be back where they were. And this is just the next step in the process. So you, you win against Miami. It's a great victory. You hold on to win against Boston college. You look at what you did. Well, you maximize that you look at what you did poorly and make that better, and now you're in another rivalry game where history and and trends don't count, but you have an opportunity to take that next step in moving forward, and that needs to be the focus.
1: We talked about this last week, Keith, briefly, and I didn't watch the Florida game, but I know they lost to Missouri, and I know that Apparently they played for overtime when they had a minute left with the ball and only had to go 40 yards to get in the field goal range. And so it's the exact opposite karma, momentum, belief, whatever word you want to use that's going on in Gainesville right now. They'll show up at the start of the game. But I do think that there could be false bravado in this one. I'm not saying Florida State's ever going to blow Florida out in the swamp with this team, but I do think if you start – down there the way you've started the last two football games you've got a chance to hold on and win that thing and I would have never thought that to be the case at the start of this season Keith
0: correct and so that's the message that's what the upperclassmen need to be discussing amongst themselves and obviously talking with the uh the underclassmen this what's the coaching staff needs to preach it's not about we're going to go in there and blow them out. It's not about we're on an upward uh, trajectory and they're on a downward, downward trajectory. It goes back to fundamental football. If you're going to win on the road against a rival, you've got to, store, you've got to store, score quick and get the crowd out of it. You've got to find a way to not make the mistakes, whether it be penalties, fumbles, or missed assignments, to stay in the ball game. And then you've got to continue to pressure and do the things that you do well. Don't try to do more than you can do. Do what you know to do and stay focused. Because every snap, every series, every quarter, every, every part of the game plays into the outcome. And this is where focus becomes extremely important, even more so. And I believe this squad will have an opportunity and have a, have a foundation to do it. I'm not telling you they'll go down there and beat Florida. But I'm telling you that this squad has an opportunity to look to themselves and, and to find a way to make it happen and win a ball game that they'll be unbelievably proud of if they pull it off. And I think they might.
1: It's a heck of an opportunity. We'll obviously be paying attention on the injury front as Florida State's OL is nicked up again. Devontae Love-Taylor did not play against Boston College. Hopefully he's available against Florida. Darius Washington went out late in that game. Didn't look good when they helped him off the field. I did see him walk into the locker room after the game, off the field and in. So not on crutches or anything like that at that point. But I'm sure they'll look at that and uh, he, you know, I don't know if he'll be available or not. They they need those parts and pieces. Defensively, Jarrett Jackson, who's part of the depth in the interior, went down. I don't have any kind of update there. And then I mentioned Joe Lang on special teams. That that might be it, but. You know, we've, we've worried about depth all year, Keith, and here we are, the last game of the season. So, uh, you know, anybody who's got a pulse, uh, they'll, they'll play hurt but not injured, right? That's, that's that is That goes. is correct.
0: And it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for someone who hasn't gotten a great number of snaps to step up, you know, next man up. And it's cliche-ish, and, you know, we, we talk about it uh, all the time, but it's the opportunities that present themselves and then people taking advantage of them. Uh, We'll just see what uh, plays out. Um, By the way, speaking of opportunities and speaking of performance, um, I'm going to jump into our Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game, and and, and I'm going to salute Jordan Travis. 20 of 34 for 251 yards, three touchdowns. He was sacked three times, but he did not throw a single interception. 20 of 34 for 251. Great performance by Jordan Travis, and Speaking of performance, you can get that same thing at Prime Meridian Bank. Walk in the door, they'll greet you by name, a warm cookie, a bottle of water, a cup of coffee, whatever you want. Uh, one of the greatest places in Tallahassee to work for. They've got branches in Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and down in Lakeland. Uh, they do whatever it takes in order to make it work for you. Prime Meridian Bank. Try my bank. Visit them at www.trymybank.com. Prime Meridian Bank. Member FDIC.
1: Well-deserved for Jordan Travis, who, by the way, has outplayed the higher-profile headlining quarterbacks here the last, you know, I I think you could argue he played better than Clemson's quarterback, outdueled Miami's quarterback, played better than BC's quarterback, who was getting a lot of attention. Jordan's Jordan's certainly maturing and getting more and more comfortable each time out there at at the quarterback position. Keith, one person we haven't mentioned that we need to, and I have a feeling it, it may be coming up next, but. The linebackers for Florida State have not been great this year, but I think we need to salute Kalen Deloach, who really has gotten better as the season's gone on and played a good football game and had the safety, which you win the game by three, and he he was responsible for two of them, so that wasn't insignificant. It also got the ball back to Florida State, and they got a field goal at the end of the first half. That was a big-time football play and a big game for Kalen Deloach.
0: Tommy, we've been doing this way too long because my joint defensive players of the game are Hobson, Defensive players of the game, Hobson Chevrolet, are Kalen DeLoach and Keir Thomas. Now, as you mentioned, DeLoach was seven tackles. Two of them were tackles for loss. He was also credited with a pass breakup. And then when you look at Keir Thomas, he too had seven tackles, two sacks, three TFLs. And Tommy, he was credited with six quarterback hurries, was Keir Thomas. So Keir Thomas and Kalen DeLoach are Hobson Chevrolet, defensive performers of the game. Hobson Chevrolet, located up in Cairo. For all your new car, used car needs, go up and visit our friends at Hobson Chevrolet. Get your next car, the Hobson way, up in Cairo.
1: Yep, we don't script it. We just know where it's going to end up, Keith. That's the way it works out. We have been doing this for a while. Anything else we need need to add?
0: Well, I, I would just tell you that there'll be those that say that FSU squandered that great first half and uh, made a ball game close that didn't need to be close. But as you and I have talked about, until this team gets additional depth and until this team continues to believe in themselves, although they've started down that road, and can, until they continue to believe in themselves, this will be a team that's got to rise to the occasion. And the positive is that they've done that in the last couple of weeks. And that's what I will choose to pay attention to. No clue what will happen down in Gainesville against Florida, but I like FSU's chances. We'll talk about that more on Wednesday when we've got some more time.
1: I agree. I agree. It's been, it's been fun. By the way, I mean, Florida State was underdogs in the game. That's the second side game. It's of a the side year. game.
0: It's a side yep, game. That, you can go, well, on, you sec- can go online, and there's a great YouTube already posted. I believe it, I believe it's Keir Thomas that has taken yeah. up some of the Boston College turf.
1: Yep, Keir Thomas was involved in that for sure. And it's the first time in a lot of years Florida State has had two side games in the same season. Now, that's when when you're going to the college football playoff, you're not an underdog on the road, so you don't have side game opportunities. And then when things aren't going well, you got a lot of side game opportunities, but if you're not winning them, you're not bringing back sides. So the point here is the same we've been making. Uh, Florida State is winning some of these games now, and guess what? Florida despite their loss to Missouri is going to be favored by a few points over FSU probably in the five range I would think four or five which means that then that one's always a side game I guess when you're playing in Gainesville so the The Florida game is
0: always a side game just to clarify that is correct
1: yeah always a side game so the spread doesn't matter there all right we're out of time as Keith said we do this every Wednesday at noon and we will uh, talk to you then Uh, he's Keith I'm Tom thanks for tuning in to Front Row and